Good morning, everybody. I'm real excited about this sermon series that we're kicking off today, um, Identity in Christ. What's unique about this is this also happens to be the theme of uh, Pastor Adam's sabbatical, you know, reconnecting to who we are and our identity in Christ. So over the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about what does this mean? What does it mean to have our core identity to be buried in and solidified in Jesus and in Christ as one who is a follower, one who believes in the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ? What, what, how, what is the depth of that? And I'm excited about this series because this, this message, not, not just this sermon, but this message in scripture is so foundational, so important that we understand and we grasp just what does this mean for my identity to be in Christ? Because this is the key. This is kind of that key to understanding the power that's available to us, understanding the love and the freedom that we can experience and that is offered to us through Jesus for not just our future, but for today. And I think sometimes there's a lot of Christians that don't understand the power and the privilege it is to be identified as one who is in Jesus and who is in Christ. And I, I'm excited to see, we've got some guest speakers coming who are gonna be really good. Um, I'm ex- excited to hear my friend Eddie Burks. He'll be here next week. Matthew will be preaching. Um, Daniel Overdorf will finish it up in a few weeks. I'm excited. This is going to be a good one. This is going to be a good series. And this question you know, what is identity? What is this core idea? When somebody asks, who are you? It's a daunting question. It's not an easy one to answer. Who are you? Because how you describe yourself, to some, we don't like it, number one. I would rather say, you know, somebody come to me and go, who is that? You know, and I can start to describe somebody else, but... If somebody asks that question of me, we kind of pause, we think. Because how we describe who we are to someone new, we're revealing what we believe to be most significant about ourselves. When somebody says, who are you? We're telling them what is most significant about who I am. What's important? How do I identify? In, in scripture, we see that people would be like, this is Joshua, son of, you know, whoever. And, and it was about family. It was about the community and the tribe and, you know, that they were a part of. In today's society, um, a lot of times we, we connect to what we do, you know. So who are you? Well, I, I might start with, well, I'm married to Stephanie. I have five kids. I'm a pastor, and I'm just trying to go, what's, what's important about me as I introduce myself to somebody new? Identity matters. How we see ourselves is incredibly important 
What we believe is most important about us. It shapes who we are and it shapes what we do. Um, the book that we've been reading, I hope that you're reading along on who I am in Christ. Um, the devotion book has been great. You should be on about day 15. Don't worry. If you haven't, grab a book as you're going out. It's easy to catch up. Um, Neil Anderson, in the book, he says this, and I love this quote. Who we are determines what we do. We cannot consistently behave in a way that is inconsistent with how we perceive ourselves. That first line, who we are determines what we do. How I identify myself, how I see myself in any given situation absolutely determines my behavior. If I walk into a room and I'm overwhelmed and I, I see myself as I don't belong here, I don't talk to anybody. I'm, I'm afraid to talk to people. I'm shy. I go to the edge of the room. If I go in and, and I see that I'm, you know, more powerful or I'm more influential, I'm just floating around talking to everybody, no, no carefree, and it doesn't matter. If I'm at the workplace and I see somebody coming down the hallway that's loud and obnoxious, I've got to go to the bathroom all of a sudden so that I can avoid them. How we see ourselves in any given situation determines our behavior. It all starts with who we are. Who are you? It's an important question, and it's one that each of us have got to wrestle with. For Paul, this idea of being in Christ, for him, he's like, this is my identity. Who I am in Jesus, all the things that were, you know, that were important before, I was, you know, a student of, you know, the, one of the best um, Pharisees, one of the best, you know, Jewish leaders. I was, you know, from the tribe of Benjamin. I was this and I was this. All the things that the world says is important and means I'm important and I'm influential and, and this is what I'm striving to be. Paul goes, none of that is no, none of that is no, it's no longer important. What's important is I am in Christ Jesus. My identity it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. See, when we use the categories of the world, whether it be wealth or power or prestige, popularity, whatever categories that the world seems important, that, you know, where we find ourselves in society, how we identify ourselves, how we fit with the other people around us, when we use those categories to search for significance, to search for acceptance, to search for security, we will always find ourselves lacking and wanting. When we use the categories found in the world, our behavior follows suit. Because if we don't allow God to define who we are, the world will help us in fact, the world would put pressure on us to define it in the way that they define acceptance 
and security and significance. And we will find ourselves pushed back and forth, always stressed, always anxious, always looking for more, always feeling like we're not good enough, we don't have enough. Our identity in Christ. If we aren't rooted in what God says, society will define it for you. Who are you? How do you answer that question? For those who live comfortable lives, this is why it's a challenge for us. We have security and influence in society, in workplaces, in our families, and even in our church. For those of us who have security because of the affluence of life, because we don't have to worry about finances, we're often afraid to be vulnerable. We're afraid to be vulnerable about our weaknesses. We're afraid to be vulnerable about our failures. And we hide things. We're tempted to believe that we are defined by our successes and we're defined by our failures. This is what the world tells us. This is who we are. This is what defines success. This is what you find is, and this is why so many people, who are you? Well, this is what I do for a living. And I'm successful at it. And I'm good at it. But what happens is when we define our meaning, when we define our significance by what we do, by what we achieve, we want to hide our failures, we want to hide our weaknesses, and we build up a wall that hides this part of us. We build up a facade, we construct it so that you don't see this, so that when you ask me, how are you today? Everything's good, everything's great, everything's fine. And inside you know that everything is not fine. We don't feel safe to share about our failures and weaknesses because we have to show strength and confidence and courage and appearance of stability. When we're using the way the world defines these things, we build this up. Social media, in the day of social media, this has only gotten worse, okay? Because, you know, how we define ourselves, how we want people to see us and understand us. And in, on Facebook, the problem is we see everybody's highlights. We see everybody's highlights on how good their life is, what's going on, and they, we don't talk about the struggles. We don't talk about the failures. We don't talk about what's hard, the depression or anxiety, you know, the things. We, talk, we just show the good things. This is what I want you to see. This is what I want you to know about me. And everybody looks like they're doing better than us. And everybody feels the same way. And it keeps this cycle going and going. On Instagram and Snapchat and all of these other um, different social media platforms that uses images and videos, there are countless filters that is used so that I get just the right look, I get the cover up, I get, you know, all the wrinkles are gone and, and the thing. I mean, how many times have you been in the mall or you've been somewhere and you see this? 
wait a minute, I gotta, you know, I gotta get the right angle. I gotta get the twist. I look thinner now, that's good, all right? How, how often have you seen this? And it's not just teenagers. I mean, what's, I mean, what's the point? And the problem is, we'll get it, be like, oh, I don't like this one, I gotta retake it. What is it that we're projecting? What are we valuing about who we are? I gotta hide the failures. I gotta hide the weaknesses. And the problem is, on my screen, I see everybody's highlights. I see them flawless. And what do I see, though, when I look in the mirror? There's no filters on my mirror. I don't, I don't look skinnier, you know, on, in my mirror. The world will help us define who we are if we are not founded in who God says we are. Identity matters, and it matters deeply. Who are you? We have a choice to make. If I, do I believe who God says I am? Do I believe the life that he offers me, a life of peace and joy and purpose? Am I going to believe that? Am I going to choose that? Am I going to step into that? Or am I going to continue to live life on my own terms? Trying to figure it out in my own way. And guess what? Eventually we just take on what our society says. And it does not lead to peace and joy and purpose. It leads to anxiety and depression and feeling like I'm never enough. Even people who are the wealthiest people in the world, it's never enough. And how the world defines things. The story of the gospel of Jesus is about freedom. It's about life. In the beginning, God created this world and he created this abundant life and he invited the man and the wood, Adam and Eve, he invited them in to partner with him and there was the tree of life and there was life and it was an abundant and it was good. But who chose good and bad? It was God. He defined it. He said, this is who you are. But as soon as Adam and Eve, they took that for themselves and they wanted to define life on their own terms. I want to choose. I want to be like God. I want to do it. Ever since then, everybody has been striving for this. And when Jesus came, he came to set us free from this way of life, this way of being human. He came to set us free, to bring us back to the garden, to bring us back into community and communion with our heavenly father who loves us and cherishes us. And he made a way through his death on the cross. He made a way for us to come back, to experience an abundant life. But it is found in Jesus. We're going to read a lot of scriptures. We're going to keep moving. This in Christ, our identity in Christ. 
For those who believe, for those who believe in Jesus, there is power, there is freedom, and there is life that is offered. And for so many people, that's not what they would describe. Their life, even people who come in and they sit week by week, they come to church and they listen. And would you say, would you describe your life as one of peace, joy, and purpose? And so many would say, absolutely not. That's why this message is so important. What is your core identity? What is it that Jesus offers us when we come to him and I identify myself as his? We're gonna start in John chapter one. What does it mean to be in Christ? This identity. John chapter one, verse 12 through 13. To all who did receive him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. We don't choose who our parents are, in the, our earthly parents. Sometimes it's a blessing and sometimes it is not. But the beautiful thing is that you are chosen. God chose you and you do get to choose who your heavenly father is. You can choose for the one who looked to you and chose you and those who believe get, get to become children of God. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. That old way of life, of striving and searching for significance, trying to find it on our own way, and it doesn't work. It's gone. The new life, a new way of being human, a new way of power and peace and joy and purpose in Christ is here. We are a new creation in Jesus. Colossians chapter three says, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. Here, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. None of that, but Christ is all and is in all. All these qualifiers, all these categories that the world will use to tell you if you're important or not, they no longer matter. Whether you're an insider or an outsider, whether you feel like you're powerful or you feel like you're disempowered, whatever the case, whether you're wealthy or you're poor, whether you're black or you're white, Whatever your nationality might be, whatever your gender might be, it does not matter. What matters is you are in Christ. Doesn't matter what the world says about who you are. What matters is you are in Christ. You are a child of God, the creator of the universe. In 1 John, he says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. 
Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And all who have this hope in him purify themselves, just as he is pure. John tells his congregation to see how much the Father has loved us, that we get to be his children. The very king, the creator of this world, the universe, is our father. And what he is doing in us and through us, and we are becoming like Jesus. And when Jesus comes back, all the pains and the aches and all the heartaches and all these things are gonna be gone. We're not there yet. But we hope for it. We're looking forward to that when Jesus comes back and we are all made even more new like him. But he puts on the end, he says, for those who hope in this, we purify ourselves. We understand the call to become like Jesus, to leave the old behind, to take on the new. First John 4, he says, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. In Christ, I don't have to Wonder if people care about me, who loves me, who thinks I'm important. In Christ, I know I am loved for who I am, for not for what I do. I am loved because of who I am and who God says I am. And I do not have to search for that. By how I look, I don't have to hide my flaws. I don't have to prove myself. It is a gift. You are loved by your creator And those who are loved by the creator are called to love. And when we love and we're free and I know I don't have to prove myself, I don't have to fear anything. It says perfect love drives out fear. I know who's in my corner. I know who is behind me. I know who goes before me. Even in circumstances that are scary, I know that God is always with me. And that love drives out fear. 1 John 5, he says, And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. No matter what the world may tell you, there is one way, and Jesus says, I am that way. All those who come to me find life, eternal life. Galatians chapter four says, because you are his sons and his daughters, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir He has given you his spirit 
as his child, he is here. The power of the Holy Spirit, the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, is this very spirit that is in you as you believe. Ephesians chapter 2 Paul says, and God raised, up with, raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. We are raised up with him who he says we are is the significance of who you are What the world says does not matter. Paul here points out, he says, man, we have been seated with Jesus at the very throne room of heaven. This is where he is. He's sitting at the right hand of God right now. And we have access to the very throne room of God because we are his children. We can go straight to the Father. In Galatians chapter 3, He says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. All these categories of the world, they don't matter. They don't hold you back. Like people in the world will tell you, you have no place. You cannot come in here. If you don't fall into our community, if you don't look like us, sound like us, if you don't have money like us, none of that matters. All those things are gone in Christ Jesus. They don't matter because you are God's Child, you are his beloved and you have the right to sit at his feet in his throne room. Jesus said in John chapter eight, verse 36, if the son sets you free, then you are free indeed. If the son sets you free, then you are free indeed. So what does it mean to be in Christ? You look at all these verses that, and passages that just tell us, what does it mean to be in Christ? It means I am chosen, I am God's beloved child. I am his, I am a new creation. That old life, the old longing, it can be gone. The, the feeling of being insignificant, the, the feeling of not being safe, the feeling of fear, all these things can be gone and buried. And you can live life without fear. You can live life knowing who you are and what is most significant. The search for purpose and meaning, it can be found right here as God's beloved child. The old categories that hold us back or that just give us the pressure that we don't need, they don't matter anymore. Male or female doesn't matter. Black or white or brown does not matter. American, Middle Eastern, European does not matter. Being in Christ Jesus 
matters. That's who we are. Rich or poor, does not matter. You are in Christ. And we are being made like Jesus. And we're called to purify ourselves, to walk according to the life that God has for us, the goodness. We're called to love and no longer fear. I don't have to hold back the good. I know that God will provide. I know that God will make the way. And we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to know our Father, empowered by Him to go with confidence, to go with courage, no matter what. And we are set free. And we are set free because of this identity in Christ. All the various ways we describe are who we are in this world that provide acceptance and security, that promises but does not fulfill acceptance, security, and significance, those things, they do not matter. It is hard to believe that in our world, but they simply do not matter because we are loved by Jesus. This is who we are. It's so much higher than anything else in this world can provide. Jesus offers life of freedom and abundance And he offers freedom. And there is freedom in Jesus Christ. So many Christians still struggle with shame and regret. They struggle with searching for meaning in the things that no longer matter. We struggle with these things. And I'm here today to tell you there is good news in Jesus. And I'm here today to tell you that there is life and freedom in Christ Jesus. To those who feel like you have to earn approval through hard work and success, Jesus says this to you. He says, my love for you has not changed Since before you were born, there is nothing you can do to make me love you more or less. You were precious to me when all you could do was eat, sleep, and poop as an infant. And the success that you have garnished today has not changed my level of love for you. I have loved you the same. Quit trying to prove your value and worth and simply find rest and my love. The striving that you are doing, the things you are running after, stop and rest because you will not find it there. To those who feel like you have to hide your flaws, I cannot be weak, I cannot show my failures, Jesus says this to you, He says, I see you just as you are. I see you just as you are and you are loved just as you are. You do not have to be perfect to come to me. That is my job, is to bring you transformation 
you do not have to change. But my love will present you as holy and pleasing to the Father. You do not have to hide, but you can come just as you are. To those who are debilitated by fear, Jesus says, cast your fears and your burdens on me. I am big enough and I am strong enough and I can carry them. There's nothing too big for me. Trust in me. I am always with you. I will never leave you and I will continue to walk alongside you all the time. No matter what happens, I will never leave you. Does not matter if your friends have left you. Doesn't matter if your family has left you. Doesn't matter if other people have abandoned you. I will never leave you. I will always be with you. Your future is secure. To those who live with shame and regret and feel unworthy, Jesus says you are loved and you are more than worthy. You are so important. You are so loved that I died for you. No matter what you have done, or maybe no matter what has been done to you, there is nothing that I cannot forgive, and there is no pain that I cannot heal. And it's the power of Jesus. You might be tempted to think, but you don't know what I did, and Jesus says, yes, I do know. I know you better than you know yourself. And I love you anyway. And I still chose to die for you knowing what you did. Believe in me. To those who feel like prisoners to sin and unhealthy habits, that you believe in Jesus and you, you just feel like you're in bondage and you're tied up and I, I can't let go and I feel trapped. Jesus, he says, you are loved and there is no bond I cannot break. There is no shackles that I cannot free. The spirit that raised Jesus from the dead the very spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you. And if death and the grave could not hold him, then it cannot be held back for you. There is no sin, there is no failure, there is no habit that cannot be undone by the blood of Jesus Christ. Freedom is there for you. Sin and death have been defeated, past tense. They've been defeated, and you can be set free. The flesh may be weak, but you have been given a spirit of power that cannot be overcome. In Christ Jesus, whatever weakness, whatever failure, whatever, you go, Andy, you don't know what I've been holding on to. Jesus does. 
And he loves you all the same. And he wants you to find freedom. He wants you to find life. Because one of the powerful truths, when I begin to believe the message of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus, when I learn to see myself and identify myself as God sees me, I am set free. I know I'm not doing it on my own power. I am not doing this on my, by myself. God, as his child, I am set free. And it is possible to step into that freedom. When I begin to see myself as God sees me, that I am accepted, that I am safe and secure, and I am significant, I am important to him, I am set free from all these things. I am set free from the expectations. I am set free from this and I can live life in the life that God has given in this abundant life that is good because I don't worry about this anymore and I can move forward following Christ. For so many Christians, this is where you need to be is having your eyes open to who you are. So when somebody asks you, who are you? Our answer should be, I'm a beloved child of God. I'm a child of the King. And that's what matters most. This is why Paul says, it's no longer I who live, but it is Christ living in me. And the life I live in the body, I live for him because he gives me freedom. This is what prayer is all about. Prayer is not about getting God to do stuff for us. Prayer is about us remembering who we are and who our God is. It's about coming to him and resting in his presence and connecting with him. This is the spiritual rhythms and spiritual disciplines. This is what it's about. Sometimes we get so caught up in what we should and shouldn't do that we forget who we are. And that's where the power comes from, is when we remember who we are. And we need that daily reminder of stopping and resting and and being grateful for who he says I am. Even in the midst of my failures, even in the midst of stumbling along the way, I am loved, I am significant because of who God says I am. We're going to pray. We're going to finish up. And my prayer is that you would step into this identity. We're going to continue talking about this over the next several weeks. But we're going to stand together and we're going to pray. And my prayer is that we would have the eyes to see and the ears to hear God's message for us of who we are and how we are loved. Let's stand together and and let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are good. And your promises are true. When you look at us, you do not see us as the world sees us. You do not see us as 
the world defines us. Whether it may be a weak or failures or, or strong and successful, when you look at us, you look at your children and whom you love deeply. Father, my, my prayer is that that we may be open to hear that our hearts receive the powerful depth of that truth that we are set free. When we believe in Jesus, when we have been baptized into him, when we have accepted him, that we are set free from all these unrealistic expectations. We are set free from this anxiety. We are set free from the sin and the bondage that held us back. And we are free when we find ourselves in you. And we can walk in that freedom. And Father, for those who still wrestle with this bondage, Father, I pray that you would give them freedom that they would understand to see the blessing it is to walk with you each and every day. That we don't have to measure up to the world's standards. We don't have to measure up to these things, but we can walk in love and that casts out our fears. And my prayer, Father, is that we would experience that. You would give us eyes to see and ears to hear and to experience the depth of your love for us. And as we live out of that joy and live out of that peace and joy and purpose that other people would see and other people would know and say, I want life as they have it. And that people would find life in Jesus. And that's my prayer, Father. Your spirit empower us. And it's in the name of Jesus that I pray, amen. If you would like to pray with somebody, I encourage you to find somebody you know and ask them to pray for you. If you would like to come forward and have somebody pray for you, people will be down here to pray for you as you go out. But thank you for being here and go out, be salt and light in a world that desperately needs it. Thanks.